Good morning. And today, we'll start on the second part of our series, and the series is called Always Doing the Will of the Father. Always doing the will of the Father. Always doing the will of the Father. So it's about always, it's about doing his will, not our will. So we start on that last week, and this week we want to go a little bit further. We're going to review first. So let's open our Bibles to where we started last time, John, the Gospel of John, verse uh, chapter 8. We'll start in verse 29 this time. Last week we started in 28, let's start in 29. And Jesus said that I always do the things that are pleasing to him. Speaking of the Father. And I said last week, I believe that when he said to the people who believed on him, things after that, he was talking to us also. I said that I believe that we should always be doing the things that please our Father. I said that also. And I believe that you are in agreement with that because it did say in First John 2, 6, it did say that uh, those who are abide in him, who say they abide in him, ought to walk even as he walked. So if we should walk even as he walked, then obviously we should be always pleasing the Father because he did. Let's look at it, review the four things that we really went up with, or five things, but we're going to just review four, and then we're going to teach on the fifth one. He told the people who believed in him, in verse 31, he said, if you continue in my word, then you're my disciples. And when it says continue in the word, that word continues the same thing as abiding, and it's not a one-time thing. It's a continuous abiding, so staying, staying steadfast in him. That continuing also, we said, meant that you're one with him. You're one in mind with him. It's not a, it's not a, uh, you're doing one thing, Jesus doing another thing. No, it's a, it's, it's oneness with the word of God. Because if you continue in him, you continue in the word, you continue in Jesus, you're one. That's why he said you're my disciples, truly, if you continue in him. That was number one we, we went over last week. Number two, we said that in verse 37, he said, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I said that number two is that if we're going to always do the, thing that, um, the things that please the Father, not only must we continue in the word, not only must we be one with the word, but we also must have place in us for the Word. In other words, the Word must progress. We said that meaning uh, having place meant to progress. Word cannot stay stagnant in us. We can't have just head knowledge of the Word of God. We must have a 
a, a, a working knowledge of the Word of God in that we are actually doing the Word of God because it is progressing. We said it's like yeast that you put in dough if you are making uh, some yeast bread that it causes the dough to change. It causes the dough to rise. So therefore, the Word in us is supposed to make changes in us. It's alive. Is it true? The Word is living. Isn't it? It says that in Hebrew. Also, we said number three in verse 38 is that we must speak the things that he speaks. It says, I speak the things which I have seen with my father. He said, you don't do that. You speak the things that you've seen from your father. So we are saying that in order to do, always do the things that please the father, we must be one with Jesus Christ, one with the word of God, moving in the word of God. We must also have a place in our heart for the Word of God, and we must do the things that our tutor has taught us. We said that uh, doing the things on our own initiative, that's what Jesus said in, in, uh, in, in, in the same John eight twenty eight. He says that I don't do anything on my own initiative. Nothing on my own initiative. Meaning that nothing that I do with my own authority. Everything I do is because of my Father's authority that he's given me. I do nothing on my own authority. So he said, I don't speak anything on my own authority. I don't do anything on my own authority. I only do the things that I've seen my Father do. I only speak the things that I've heard my Father speak. So therefore, we need to do that. If we're going to always do the things that please the Father. And there was a great testimony uh, that, uh, that, that, that you, you gave uh, today, you know, Matt, is because that's what you did on your workplace. You didn't act on your own authority because if you acted on your own authority, you might have gotten angry, you might have said something you shouldn't have said, but you shouldn't say things you shouldn't say because Jesus never said anything that he shouldn't have said. He, also, he always said the things that he heard the Father speak. So therefore, you did that because you remember the word says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to rap. You knew the word. So you say, well, I'm going to keep my mouth closed. Because you know the word. And see, that's what we had to do. We have to know the word of God. And the word has to progress in us. And we have to speak those things. We said number four in verse 42. If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth uh, and have come from God. For whom I have seen, he said, I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. I said that the fourth thing is that we have to do, we have to know where we're from. We have to know, why are we here? Why are we here on this earth? Why were we birthed? Why did God let us out of the womb? Why were we not stillborn? Why were we not miscarried? Why were we born? God has, a, God has a reason. And we said it in, 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 in the Old Testament. We've told you that um, are we supposed to glorify him. But there are a lot of uh, 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 people who might have glorified him if they were born. <laughs> but they weren't born. They were miscarried. So why did, why did we escape the womb? God has a purpose for it. Why did he choose to Give us the faith to be born again. Why? We can't be born again of our own. It says in the Gospel of John is that no one can come 
to me unless the Father draws me, draws you. No one can come to Jesus. No one. So you can get out of your notion that anybody can come whenever they want to come. No, you're only going to come if God draws you. That's what the Word of God says. I cannot do anything but quote you the Word of God. That's all I can do. And I believe the Word of God, and I believe you believe the Word of God. So therefore, we know that no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws you. Why did he draw us? Why did he draw you? Why are you here today? You're here for a reason. We all could be dead by now. <laughs> we could. You said, well, I'm too young to die. Well, I think it's a lot of people who died young. Why are we still here? We said we must, we must know that. We know that Jesus knew where he was from. He was from heaven. He, came, he proceeded from the Father. He went back to the Father. He knew why he was here. He was here on, on assignment. And he knew where he went. And so, therefore, do we know that? Do we know, like in Colossians 3, 3, do we know that, that it says that we are dead and our life is here with Christ? Do we know that? Do we know that Galatians 2, 20 will say to us that I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I will live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for me. You know, he loves me. He gave himself up for me. Do you know that? Do you know that in Second Corinthians five seventeen it says if you are Christ's then you are not the same. Is that right? You're not the same. Old things have passed away, behold all things are new. Is that correct? And all things of a God. All things of, of God. He reconciles us to himself. So therefore, we know that in John 17, it said that we have been sent. He says, I have sent, yes, you sent me, I sent them. So we know we've been sent. We know in Matthew 28, it says, all authority has been given to me, and therefore, he told us to go and make disciples of all nations. Right? Teaching them. So we know we have a purpose. It says in Second Corinthians, in, in Corinthians 5, further than 17, it tells us that we are his ambassadors and we're supposed to be reconciling the world to, to himself. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what it says. Do we know that? Do we, you really believe that? I know you might know the scripture, but do you know why you are here? Because it changes everything. If you know why you're here, it changes everything. We won't be, uh, as it says in, in the word, we won't be entangled in the affairs of this life. We won't be entangled in the affairs of life because we'll be like soldiers because we've been sent here with a purpose. When you know that, you can always do the things that please the Father. Because the things of the world doesn't hinder us. It doesn't excite us. Because I'm not of the world. I'm in it, but I'm not of the world. So why should it excite me? Why should anything anybody say excite me? Why should anything anybody do excite me? Why should anything, uh, it, it throws me for a loop or something, and it's caused me to stumble? No. Nothing is supposed to excite a dead man. 
a dead woman. Nothing. What excites somebody in the morgue? It's dead. Huh? Well, you flash a million dollars by. Hey, you jump up and I'll give it to you. No, it doesn't, it doesn't excite enough. Nobody. Does it? We're dead. To the things of this world, yet we're alive. Only in Christ. Those things we went over last time. Is that correct? We went over those things last time. But we're going to go over something this time. And before I go over that, I want to show you a couple pictures. Just tell us where, we're up, where, where we are. Well, I said last week we were like we were on a beach. We have sand there. We can jump out into the water and walk a little bit, stick our feet in. We can sit on the, on the side there uh, in the grass, and we can, we can uh, put our toes in, our feet in, and just sit. And That's what we did last week. We just made a little splash. We can, we can get up any time and go back in the house. But we said this week, we're going to go a little further out. So we have another picture of like an ocean. And we're out there now. And I don't have a size that will show you how, what size it is because we can think sometimes we're so close. But it might be a person could be a little dot down in the water. But regardless, we can see the land, can't we? We can send it land. And I believe that all of us, if we can swim, even if we're on the bottom of that picture, we see that land, I believe we can make it. We can float. We can dog paddle. We can do something. Okay? We, can, we can get back to the land because we can see it. That's where we're going today. Okay? We're going there today. Out, out there. In the day. We can, now, we can't stand up now. So don't forget standing up. You're not going to stand up out there. So I'm going to take you where you can't stand up today. And then next week, we're going out where you won't even see in the land. It won't even be in the land anywhere near. You'll never get back unless you are taken back because you won't know your way because you don't know which way the land is. And if you go one way, you might be going further into the ocean. So we're going to go there next week, okay? This week, let's go there uh, with number five. Last week I said this was number five. Let's start in, in John again. We, we're there. 43. He said to them, he says, Why do you not understand what I'm saying? Is it because you cannot hear the word? And we say that this hearing is in the present infinitive. This, this, this word is it's like a continuous, it's a repeated action. That's what this, this hearing is. It's a hearing with the inner ear. That's what this hearing is. It's hearing with the inner ear, with understanding. It's not just hearing here. Then in Matthew 11, probably around 15, it tells us that uh, he who has, has ears to hear, Do we have ears to hear? If you have ears to hear, hear. Now, everybody who have in here have ears to hear, and so we can hear. Because we have ears, they can hear. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about this hearing. Do we have ears that we can understand in our inner mind 
Do, can we understand the word of God? They heard the word of God. They heard what Jesus was saying when he was talking to the Pharisees. They, they, they heard it, but they didn't believe it. Let's look at verse 44. It says, you are not of your father. You, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer, murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Verse 45. But because I speak the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I speak the truth, why do you not believe me? Verse 47. He who is of God hears that's the same word that we've been talking about, whether it's Matthew 11, whether it's verse 43, it's the same one here. He who hears, let's translate it, he who continuous, continuously, repeatedly hears with their inner ears, with their mind, with understanding the word of God, if they do that, then they're going to be of God. They said, for this reason, you do not hear them, because you are not of God. Now, they couldn't hear with their inner ears. They couldn't hear with their mind. They couldn't understand the word of God, because they were not born again. They were not of God. All of us in here have ears to hear, because we are born again. Okay? We are born again. So, why am I talking about this and taking you out into the deep? Because I believe that once you have ears to hear, whether it tells us in Ezekiel 18 that uh, God says I'm going to give them a new heart and a new spirit, and he was talking about uh, uh, taking a heart of stone from us and giving us a heart of flesh, he, he was talking to the Israelites then, and so there was going to come a day when he was going to give them a new heart and new flesh, a new heart and new spirit. Also, it says uh, in, in the, uh, the scriptures, Romans 2, it's told us that, that it's not the person who's circumcised in the flesh who really is a Jew. It's really the person who is a Jew from within. Circumcision is a circumcision of the heart by the spirit. God wants our heart circumcised. That's what he wants. He's not interested in, in an outward thing. You know, it's like it, 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 we say, well, hey, we gave our life to Jesus Christ. And I know I did that because I said the words. I know I got baptized, so therefore I'm saved. It's not just the one who said words. It's not the ones who, gave, who got wet. But you're going to have to Believe in your heart, you go, it's going to have to be a part of you. It's going to have to, you know, the, getting wet is not the deal. It's what it, it's what it meant. And you did that because you wanted to identify with the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ because you actually did die. So, so it's a matter of, is this fruit going to remain? Are we going to bear fruit of the word of God? 
so will those also the word. So all these things he, he, he's saying to us because from that point, once I become a Christian, which I did become a Christian, I did not change on the outside. I still look the same. I wish I would have changed. <laughs> I wish I'd still be 30-something, you know, looking, you know. But I'm not. My mind didn't change. My will didn't change much. My emotions didn't change. But I was a new creation. So, I believe that God is saying that once we have ears to hear, he's saying that now comes the real deal. Now, it separates those who have become great in the kingdom and those who are just in the kingdom. You remember the disciples were saying, who's the greatest? Who's the, who's the greatest? Who is the greatest? Let's turn to Matthew 18, verse 1. Now, I, I, I guess you said, well, ha-ha. This dude, I don't even know whether he got born again then because your will does change. Well, I still want to do my will. And you might have changed. You might have been, you know, all holy and everything once you got born again. But I haven't seen. I, I knew a lot of you way back then. And I know you're just like, I was. you know, it's a process. Verse 1, Matthew 18. At the time, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That's the title of the message today. Greatest in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the same thing. Who is the greatest? That's what we want to do. We want to be among those who are greatest in the kingdom of God. That's what we want to be. You say, well, I don't want to be great. I want to be just somebody who just slides by. Jesus didn't slide by. So why would you want to slide by? We want to be just like he is. As he is, so are we on earth. I want to be the greatest. Not greater compared to anybody else. Just great compared to what he says greatness is. Okay? Verse 2. And he called a child to himself and set him before them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted, so we know we've got to be born again, and become like a child, and become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You won't enter it. <laughs> now, how is this? Whoever then humbles himself as this child, now you're telling me. Now, now I understand. Now you're telling me something because I didn't know whether I had to go back and be like a little child. What, what I had to do now? It says that 
Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's what it says. That's what it says. Being great in the kingdom has to do with the heart. With our heart. That's what it has to do with. Our heart. Not the the tick, tick, tick thing, but what figuratively in the New Testament, our heart is a center of, of the human life, is a center of our being, but really it's our mind. That's really our heart. Our mind, our will, our emotion, our desires, our affections, our passions, is it, it, those things. That's what is the heart. That's what the Bible says the heart is. When you, when you look up the word uh, 25, 8, 8, and strong, that's what it is. Okay, now, if I said my will didn't change, my desires didn't change, well, what am I saying? I'm only saying that I got born again, meaning I got a new spirit. I know that my spirit was now made alive to God. I know that now my my heart was not a heart of stone, it was a heart of flesh. It was prepared now. But I had to do something in order to take it from there to where God wanted to be. That's what we all have to do. To take this heart to where it needs to be. Otherwise it wouldn't be it would it would it wouldn't matter what Romans twelve two would say, it wouldn't matter at all. At all. When Romans 12.2 says, be not conformed, don't be pressed. Don't be pressed into the world's mold. Don't be conformed to the world. But be transformed by the renewing of our mind. He says, and he didn't say, you don't have to worry about this because it's going to be done for you. No. He said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holding yourself to God, which is a reasonable act of worship. Be not conformed. So he said, you be not conformed. But you transform. It's something that we have to do. We have to allow ourselves to be molded by the Spirit of Almighty God rather than by the world system. That's why I said that I didn't change. As soon as I got born again, I was feeling that. So I have to now, if I'm going to re- renew myself by the Word of God, I have to I have to be in the Word. The Word is going to have to get in me. You remember I said that you got to continue in the Word. The Word in me got to be one. So I had to I had to learn this Word. Otherwise, I will be I will be being critical of things that I will see that I had no knowledge of, even though I was born again, because I didn't have any knowledge of the Word of God. So I will be, and I'll say, look at, look at them raising their hands. You know, what are they raising their hands for? Don't they know this is a holy place? They're in church, and they're raising their hands and, and clapping and all that stuff. You don't supposed to do that in church. That's ignorance. That was me ignorant talking. Because I didn't know the Word of God. 
if somebody don't let somebody bounce up and down, you know, and act like they, they all happy and stuff at a, at a ball game, then I said, man, this is, this, is, this is crazy. This is crazy. Didn't have any clue that David danced before the Lord. Didn't have any clue that, that his wife was burned because she was critical of him. So I didn't know the word of God. So if you don't know the word of God, then what's going to happen is, is that you can be critical of something that God is actually doing and you don't even know he's doing. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. So my mind had to change. I had to learn the word of God. I had to continue in that word. And I said, it's not a, it's not a, a one-time thing. I was still speaking the same way I spoke before, I got to say, until I learned that you don't talk like that being a Christian because God's word says this right here. And I said, oh, man, Whew. you can't do that because the word says this. You can't say, you know, you hate them. You know, you can't say that because God's word said it. You, you, you love your enemy. See, uh, it changes everything when you are one with the word. It changes everything. Our heart has to change. Now, when it says that in verse 4 of 18, whoever then humbles himself like this child, I believe that humility is the, is, is, is big, huge to God. Huge. Huge. Because he said if, if, that you've got to be converted and become like this child. If you don't, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then... Since he said that whoever then humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of God. Oh, my goodness gracious. That's telling me that I need to be humble. That's what it's telling me. I need to be humble. Because that's the word of God. It is definitely the word of God. Is it, is, is, is it, can you see it up there? That's the word of God. Whoever then humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So that means... I'm in the kingdom of heaven because I'm humble and I'm, I'm, I'm being great in the kingdom because of my, my humility. Now, the problem is that I'm not humble. I got born again. I'm not humble. Were you humble? The problem is I'm still not humble. Like I want to be. I'm not as proudful as I used to be, but I'm not there yet. But this is a key to greatness. A key to greatness. Huge. Humility. Let's go a little further. Let's go to Matthew 15, verse 15. He says here, and the heart is very important now. The heart is very important. He said, 
he was saying to explain this parable to us. And there was a parable he just spoke to the to the ones before about uh, they were one talking about eating things and the fowl and he says not what goes into a man that defiles a man but what comes out of a man. They didn't understand what he was saying. So it says and Jesus said, Are you still lacking in understanding also? Now we're not supposed to be lacking in understanding now. Why aren't we supposed to be lacking in understanding? Because <laughs> it already said we have here is the here. And we're supposed to be improving that. Then he says, Do you not understand that everything that goes into the mouth passes through the stomach and is eliminated, but the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart? And those defile the man. God is about the heart, I'm going to tell you. He's about our heart. Once you have ears to hear, he is interested in our heart. Our mind, our will, our emotions, our intellect. Because he's already given us a a, a heart of of flesh now. It's not a heart of stone. He's already now uh, positioned us to have hearing ears so that our, our our inner mind hears, hears with understanding. He's already positioned us in that. And he's saying, now, let me work on that. That's what he's going to be doing until we die. The Holy Spirit is going to be working on transforming us from where we are to be more like Christ. Because we won't always do the things that please the Father. And it says here that For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murderers, adulterers, fornicators, people who steal, people who lie, who slander. These are the things which defile a man. So in other words, he's saying that I'm going to be working on that because your heart not right. Your heart hasn't, hasn't changed then, your, you know, your mind, your will, your emotions, your, your passions, your affections, if that hasn't changed, you're going to be committing sin. More than you should, because we're not under bondage of sin, but you, you won't be able to help it. You won't be able to help it, because the Word of God is the only thing that can cause it not to happen. God is about doing something with this heart. We don't understand that. I don't believe we don't understand that. Let's turn to uh, Jeremiah... 17. I don't think we understand like we should understand because I think we understand, I think we think sometimes oh, uh, they have a good heart. They mean well. I think that's really what they mean. They mean well. No one has a good heart. No one has a good heart when, when, before they're born again. Nobody has a good heart. No one. Matter of fact, in verse 9, this is Jeremiah 17. Verse 9 it says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick, it says in the, King, in, in, in the New American Standard. And the King James says, Wicked. Who can understand it? That's what it says. I, the Lord, search the heart. He's going to be searching our heart. He's going to be testing our mind, even to give each man according to his ways according to the results of his deed. If our heart doesn't move from where it is, 
before we're born again, if it doesn't move, we're not going to be pleasing to God. We can't always do the things that please God. We can't. We just can't do it. I'm telling you, can't do it. God is interested. Let's turn to Psalm uh, 24. Let's go there. God is after our heart. Matter of fact, we're supposed to have given God our heart. God's supposed to have our heart totally. Is that correct? We're supposed to love God according to the first and foremost commandment to love God with all our heart. That's what it is. All our soul, all our mind, all our strength, everything we're supposed to love God. So our, he's supposed to have our heart. He's not supposed to have just sections of our heart. In other words, just sections of our mind, our will, our emotions, our passions, our impulses, our, you know, he's not supposed to just have half of that stuff. He's supposed to have all of it. All of it. We're not supposed to have any, any affections that's not totally sold out to God. We're not supposed to have any desires that, 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 that are apart from pleasing and glorifying our Father. I know it sounds weird, that that's true, isn't it? That's true. That's true. And when he says, I'm going to search it, I'm going to search the heart, I'm going to test that heart, what is he doing? He, 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 he's, he's searching to see what's in there. He knows what's in there. And he's going to point it out to us so we can straighten it out. That's what we're going to do. Let's look at verse 3, Psalm 24. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And we, we know we're talking about Jerusalem. We know we're talking about David's talking about all that kind of stuff there. But look, let's talk, let's talk spiritually here. Where is God? He's seated in heavenly places, right? He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Who's going to ascend there? He said, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We know we're seated, seated there. That's good. Who's going to ascend there? Who's going to be there? And who's going to stand in his holy place? So he asks this question. Then he gives us the answer. Verse 4. He who has clean hands. Now, clean hands, we can put everything that we do into that category. We're not talking about you know, I washed my hands with soap this morning. So I know I got clean hands. No, he's not talking about in the, in the natural. He's talking about really doing. 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 Is everything we do pleasing to the Lord? We have asked that question. Who's going to send to his holy place? He who's doing things that pleases the Lord. You say, I do some things that please the Lord, some things I don't. No, 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 no. You remember? We said that Jesus said, I always do the thing that pleases the Lord. So we need to eliminate the things that we are doing that is displeasing to the Lord. We know it's displeasing to the Lord because it's against Scripture. 
We know. We know. All he's saying is eliminate it. Eliminate it. He points it out through his word. He points it out through other people. He points it out through our loved ones, doesn't he? Come on. He points it out through our children. He points it out through our parents. He points it out. He points it out through different ways. He points it out to us. The Holy Spirit is going to get it to us. That's not pleasing. That's not pleasing to us. That's the doing. And, verse 4 said, and what? Come on. A pure heart. Pure. That's ethically, morally pure. No, if you if you got something that's pure like gold, you're gonna you're gonna have to heat that thing up. You're gonna have to and get all you can get all the impurities out. Silver, you can you can heat that thing up and all the drawers will come to the front and you just skim it off. If you want something pure, heat it up. Heat it up. It's gonna either burn up or either it's gonna the impurities is gonna, gonna come out. That's the same thing that's gonna happen to our life. If it, when God wants to purify us, he's gonna bring heat to it. And heat sometimes just circumstances. Bring it to our attention so we can say, okay, oh my goodness gracious, that's going to have to go. That's going to have to go. That's going to have to go. A pure heart. God is after the heart, I told you. He's after the heart. That's, that's, that, that's our mind, our will, our emotions, our, our affection, our desires, our passions. That's what he wants purified. Let's keep going. He who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood. And maybe King James might say vanity. That, to me, speaks of basically he breathed life into my soul. I know that our life is supposed to be purposely given to him, sold out to him. And so it's not going to be vain. It's not going to be false. It's going to be true. I want to live a true life. A true life is one, it's only one thing is true. His word is true. I, I, want, I, want, I want to live a true life, not a life of falsehood. Because I don't want my life to be lived in vain. And it says, and has not sworn deceitfully. That speaks to me of my speech. See, you, you can look at it and say, well, I haven't lifted up my soul to falsehood. I haven't uh, been on the stand and sworn, you know, uh, I'm going to tell the truth and hold the truth, not nothing but the truth. I haven't done that and then told a lie. I haven't done that. My hands are clean. I washed it this morning. We can be in a natural all we want to. And he's not talking about natural at all. At all. Our speech is going to have to be pure. It's going to have to be pure. God is after the heart. And 
I'm telling you, humility is a key to all of these. Because you cannot, you cannot uh, be humble and say we have a clean heart, we have clean hands, pure heart, we have a, uh, everything we do pleases him, everything we say pleases him, our life pleases him. We can't say that because we're in pride. Humility, true humility, is humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. That's what true humility is. Humbling ourselves, making ourselves low, in other words. If you want to define humility, the definition would be low-minded. Low-minded. I'm thinking of myself low and is correct because I compare myself not to you. I'm comparing myself to my maker, to Jesus Christ, who my life is hid with in God. And when I, when I compare myself to Jesus Christ, when I get into his presence, I'm thinking low. When I'm around the word of God, because the word of God is supposed to be all around me because we are supposed to be in Christ Jesus. So we're supposed to always be, the word is everything to us. So I'm thinking in, in, in lowness because I'm with Jesus. Jesus is humble. It's a Moses was the most humble person in the, in the earth, but Jesus is the most humble one ever walked the earth. So we're supposed to be in humility, and the humility only is that I always do that which pleases the Father because because I put myself under the word. That's all. Humility is not a shuffling of the feet. You know, we think humility is just holding our head down when we are uh, um, in somebody's presence who, who, who's, you know, might be royalty or something like that. That's not humility. Humility is not, you know, uh, me agreeing with you. That's not humility. Just because I don't boast of anything, that doesn't mean I'm humble. The true humility is humbling myself. Do I humble myself? Am I under the Word? Is my life underneath the Word? Am I lower than the Word? That's what God's saying. Am I lower than the Word? The Word is over me. A true prideful person is not one who boasts. That, that's just, you know, just, this is just a... Uh, a symptom. A true person of, of pride is a, is a person who's above the word. Above the word. The word is underneath the person. They are higher than the word. So, whatever the word says, they don't do if they don't want to do it because they are above that part of the word. You understand what I'm saying? That's true pride. That's a prideful person. Think they're above the word. In anything. So that's why God says, and we all are under the word in something, and we think we're okay because we're under the word. So, no, God is searching our hearts to find out what area is it that you are not under the word. Let's talk about that area. Let's deal with that area. And when he brings it to you, oh, it's inconvenient for me to do that. I like doing this. I mean, it's not, 
come on. I mean, I'm not a bad person. I didn't kill him, but I didn't do that. I just, you know. No, God wants to deal with that area. He wants to deal with it. Next week, we're going to take you out so far. <laughs> now, so you can swim back now. After this message, you can swim back. You can swim back. I understand that. I understand that. You can see the shore. You can swim back. Next week, you won't be able to swim back. And we're going to be talking about the word too. Now, we're going to start where we left off here. But we're going to go a little bit further. Because remember, if, if I'm talking about the heart, and if that's the key thing, did you know when I take you out to the deep, I'm taking it to deeper into the things of God, into the heart, the heart issues, okay? I know some of you say, well, I'm not coming. <laughs> well, we'll have it on tape just in case. <laughs> uh, but regardless, that the word of God is so good to me. Isn't it good to you? And I know sometimes you don't want to hear everything that the Word says. And that's what I do. I like to, to proclaim the Word of God in such a way that I'm teaching you something that you can take away and use when you leave this church building and be who you are, the church, Outside the building, okay. So that when, when it, whatever you do, whether you're in the, in, in the marketplace, in the restaurants, or with your family, whatever you do, you can walk this thing out because this thing right, is what it, it is. It is life to you. That's what I want. This thing.